So, ons is bezig met, uh, I'm going to do English for you. We're, we're busy with, uh, with this, the I am sayings of Jesus. So, everything he claimed um, he was. And uh, <clears throat> we've already now handled um, I am he um, when he told the woman at the well that he, he was the Messiah, he was the anointed one. We've done I am the good shepherd. And uh, we have done. What is this? I'm the bread last week. I'm the bread of life. And uh, as I was thinking about this this week, I realized <clears throat> that every claim that Jesus made about who he is was not just a claim about him, but was a claim for us. Every claim of who he is is for our benefit. Because everything that he, every, every, I am the Messiah, he's our Messiah. He's the one that, that, that has been appointed ruler over us. And he is the one that has been appointed to lead us to, into the kingdom of God. Um, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the bread. I'm the living bread. And what we're going to do today is, <clears throat> I'm the true vine. And every one of those sayings I realized is, is not just a statement about Jesus. It's not just for us to get to know something about the character of Jesus. Better, it's about us as well. And we can't separate the two. We can't separate who Jesus is and who we are in, in Him or how that benefits us. Because um, then we'll miss the point. So... <clears throat> this piece, um, John 15, I am the true vine. I've, I've, I've studied so many times that, that the risk was there that I would just come and just regurgitate everything that I've done over the like, past few years because I've taught on this many times. And I really tried uh, in my study time to, to, to really get a new angle, to really get new revelation um, and I try to do that every time I study is to get new revelation, not just, just you know, it's so easy for us to, to just go over the things we know <laughs> and then feel good about what we know. Um, but there's so much more every single time we study the Word. There's so much more that we can get out of it. Um, so what I want to do today is um, literally read through, through this passage in, in John 15 and then just break it open um, as, as the Holy Spirit revealed some things to me. Um, and uh, I brought it for you guys. I've seen someone bring me a Bible's card, you know. So, but what I'm first going to do is I'm going to read it in a new English translation. But I'm going to first read it in a new Living translation. I'm going to read it for the first ja, ek het, ek het dit weer eens, ek het dit bykie gaan bestudeer en klomp vertaling, selfs die Young's Literal Translation, wat letterlijk elke woord net letterlijk oor, en dit gee so'n groot scope van, van understanding. Um, so, luister my eers en dan werk ons, werk ons in die skrif saam, um, werk ons dier dit. So, Jesus begin, hy sê, I am the true grapevine. En ek gaan myself dan weer hou om te interject, um, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned 
and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to the Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey the Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do my command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. All right. So kom ons, kom ons, vat hom gau, vat hom gau dier. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He takes away every branch that does not bear fruit in me. He prunes every branch that bears fruit so that it will bear even more or more fruit. Nou die eerste ding wat my opgeval het, is dat Jesus sê altyd, I am the true vine, or I am the true or good shepherd, or I am the truth, the way, the life. Met ander woorde, there are many other vines, there are many other shepherds, there are many other, even what we want to believe as truths. I can say, I am the true truth. <laughs> In die wereld, Jesus maak een baie, baie duidelik, he distinguishes so often between the counterfeit that the world wants to bring, the counterfeit that the enemy wants to bring, and also the counterfeit that religion wants to bring. And that's, this is what he's fighting against here. I am the true vine. And then he goes on and he says, and the father is the gardener. Now the gardener takes care of the vine. And it takes away every branch that does not bear fruit. Now, now, if even in these two translations, we've got a bit of a, a theological dilemma. Because this, this translation said he cuts off. That translation says he takes away. Now, the reason for that is the Greek that is used there can actually mean, mean both. And there are some people that, that... So to take away does not mean to remove. It actually means to lift up. It means to, to um, the same word is used when Jesus um, healed the lame man. He, he said, he used this word, he said, take away or take up your mat and walk. 
So this word take away literally does not mean to remove. That's one understanding of it. It's not to remove, but to lift up. So the picture we must see here is that the gardener, the father comes and he, if you do not bear fruit, he is so concerned with you bearing fruit that he would come and he would take you away from what is stopping you from bearing fruit. So if it's a vine, it's all the dust and it's maybe some other leaves and things that's in the way. So it's not getting sunlight. It's not getting nourishment. Not, it's not getting what it needs to bear fruit. So the gardener would come. He would take away. He would prop up the branches so that it will come into the sun again. It will come so that it will be able to bear fruit. And isn't that just what the Father did for us through Jesus? We couldn't bear fruit. We were all clogged up. We were, we were, in fact, we were his enemies. We were, we were enmity to him. We were against him. And then he comes and he lifts up. Actually, he lifts up Jesus on the cross. He props him up so that we can bear fruit again. I'm not saying this is what Jesus referred to. I'm just thinking of that now. The, the main point is that the gardener is not concerned about the branches. And he's not even concerned about the vine. He's concerned about the fruit. It's about the fruit. And that's sort of the angle that I want to, that I want to hit today is um, focusing on what I call this is the vine and his fruit. He's concerned about the fruit, and we are the fruit. We are the fruit. What we produce is what God is concerned about. So it's more, he's, he's more than concerned about just getting us to heaven. <laughs> Jesus is more, is more than just the, the way of getting us to heaven. Actually, says, he says, I'm the way to the Father. We'll still do that. And it is in that that we start producing fruit. <clears throat> so, we see the purpose immediately of what Jesus is about. We see the purpose for being into the vine. The purpose is fruit. The purpose isn't just being connected to Jesus. And I think a lot of the church misses this at the moment. See, we, 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 we're fine with being saved. We're fine with being born again. We're fine with um, being called Christians. But are we really concerned about fruit? Are we really concerned about what we are producing, what's coming out of us, what we are, what we are giving the world? Then the other meaning is that he cuts off. That is also... Also, meaning and and as I read through some of the commentaries and things, it's it's clear that that there's sort of two two groups of people that this speaks to. Jesus speaks to a group of people who it's it's a bit confusing to me because he says every branch in me that doesn't produce fruit, he cuts off or he props up. So it can't mean the people who have never known him can't mean the people who, have, so it, it can't be like those who haven't been saved yet. So, but there are a people that Jesus is concerned about that claim to follow him, 
but do not really follow him. That claim to be, and, and you almost don't want to say this, you almost don't want to go there because like, how can you say that there are people that, people get offended when you say, ask the question, are you really a Christian? Are you really a follower of Jesus? And not only here, but in other places, Jesus talks about the, the, the sheep. He says, those who come over, those who do not come through the door are not, they're not true. They're not there. They're not supposed to be there. They're thieves and robbers. So he makes many distinguishes about people who are truly part of him and people who claim to be part of him and who are not truly part of him. And we need to be aware of that. So this sort of speaks to both of those guys. He says, if you are truly part of me, if you are really engrafted into me and you are struggling to bear fruit, your loving Father will do everything He can to prop you up and to lift you up and to take away, to cleanse you so that you will get sunlight again. But you have to, be, you have to truly be serious about this. You have to truly be part of this. You have to truly be engrafted into me. Then, He goes on in verse 3. He says, You are clean already because of the word, uh, because of the word that I've spoken to you. And this just gave me a lot of joy. Firstly, he says, He takes away and He prunes every branch that bears fruit. Now, we all know that pruning stimulates growth. No one likes pruning, especially being pruned, but it stimulates growth. And I was thinking of, my word has already cleansed you. That means the word of God is life. The word of God is able to bring life. And then I think to myself, but how do we study the word? How do we read the word? Do we study the word or read the word with a, with a, um, a composure that says, like David said, Lord, reveal in me anything that is not of you and cut away anything that is not of you. Or do we study the word with the composure of either, uh, I mean, I've got to just do my Christian duty and my job. So I've got to read my three verses every day and then I'll tick it off and then I'll move on. And then I'll feel like, okay, you know, God's going to bless me because I read my verses or whatever. Or do we actually take the word and say, Lord, thank you for your word that is able to prune me, that is able to, to cleanse me, that is able to bring me to the point of where I become like you. The last thing God intended for this to be is a religious tool for us to say that we've done our job if we've read once a day. This is a living word. And it brings life. But only if you take the composure of, of a heart of humbleness and a, and a heart of um, a, a soft heart. And that's actually the problem God had with the Israelites. If we go and we read Hebrews, Hebrews 3, um, Paul goes on and he warns them about their, their hard heart and their disobedience. And because of that hard heart and disobedience, they will never enter the rest. It's actually today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. So if you want the word of God to come and prune us, we've got to open the word with the, with the mindset and, the, and the, the, the composure, the position 
of Lord, use your word to cleanse me. Use your word to show me where I'm not like you yet. Use your word to show me where I must change. Use your word to show me what's not in line with you yet. So that I can change that, so that I can use that. The words that I've spoken, you're already clean because of the words that I've spoken to you. And then he says, remain in me and I in you. Now, once again, this opened up quite a bit of a, a can of worms for me. Because what, what is it to remain? What is it to stay? What is it? I mean, if you go literally translated, then it literally means to, to, to set up camp or to, to stay or to like for, for a period of time. But there's a more figurative meaning to this, which actually also talks about of our composure, talks about of, of, um, of a position, of our position in Christ. Stay in your position in Christ. Stay in your position of humility. Stay in your position specifically of um, dependence. We all know that none of us could be saved without Jesus. None none of us, we're clear on that. It's not by our own works at all. We cannot be saved by our own works. We cannot be, there's no way. We can be the greatest person in this world and do all the things that does good to everybody and everything in this world. But if it's not, if we don't rely on Jesus, if we don't rely on what He has done on the cross, we will fall short of the glory of God and then we will be counted as sinful. Eh? Romans 3. We all have sinned because we all fall short of the glory of God. That same dependence remains. So we went into Him with that composure, with that posture, that we need you. We cannot, let's, let's call it go to heaven or come to the Father without you. Now he says, remain in that composure, remain in that posture of dependence to bear fruit. Remain in me, because if you do not remain in me, that you will not be able to bear fruit. What is he talking about? He says that there is only one way that you can possibly bear fruit that gives glory to God, and that is if you become literally just nothing, a conduit. And my fruitfulness or my sap, my life, starts flowing through you. And as it flows out, it becomes a fruit. It becomes good. It becomes nourishment to the world. It becomes what God has intended for the world to taste through me. The biggest, best, most well-known humanitarian on planet cannot give life. He cannot change somebody's life on the inside. Only Jesus can. And what Jesus intended for us is to be planted in Him, not just for our sakes, but so that the world can receive the fruit that He intends to give the world. And we'll see as, as we go on, we'll, uh, hopefully you'll see the, the, the picture sort of forming because he goes and he actually completes this picture when he, I'm not going <laughs> to, but we must realize that we 
can, and I know it's offensive to the flesh. And I, I mean, people don't want to hear this. People don't want to hear, there's nothing good in me apart from Jesus. But it's the truth. And I actually went in this past few days and actually, and I just thought a bit, if Jesus wasn't, if someone, I actually had a, like a mock discussion in my, in my mind with somebody. And he says, what, what would you do, not in my mind, what would you do if, if you realize now that like, this whole Jesus thing is just a hoax? If they, if they, if it, and I'd honestly just tell him that um, my life would have no meaning. There's nothing. I'll, I'd be a mess. All things that are good come from God. And we are unable to attain it. We are unable to receive it. We are unable to be good unless His sap flows through us and produce His fruit in us and through us. And I've actually, um, to remain also um, means not to move away from and this past week, past two weeks, you can ask my wife. I actually, there was one situation this week where I had to call them all together and just say sorry. <laughs> just repent and say, I can't know. Because of busy life and because of busyness and because of a lot of pressures at work and stuff. Like I haven't been planted into the vine like I used to. Or like I'm supposed to. I did not remain. And then the sap just starts getting less and less and less. And you start seeing your fruit change. All of a sudden you, st- you stop bearing the fruit of Jesus and you start bearing the fruit of the world. Or the flesh, let's call it the flesh, the fruit of the flesh. The fruit of the spirit versus the fruit of the flesh. Start bearing that. And you, you feel it, you see it, you experience it. And then all of a sudden your loved one starts to, to eat of that fruit. And the bad thing is, that because we know the fruit, because we know what it's supposed to look like, because we know the, the good fruit then we don't go and we plant ourselves. We don't repent and plant ourselves back into the vine. We just think, okay, no, I can, I can make this. I can start f- producing the right fruit on my own. So I'll try and be nice or I'll try and become um, more um, geduldig, pa- you know, patient. I'll try to be, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it just loads pressure and pressure and pressure on you because you feel so guilty because you, you're not... Where if you plant it, if you remain in the vine, it's just a natural thing. Then the other way, it's like something happens and, and somebody like says you wrong or drives in front of you and all that. And you're just as calm as a, like, 
and bless the guy and all that, you know, hy is seker, hy is seker maar verstaan, daar is seker in doodgeval, jy dink al die rechte goed, it's just a natural thing that comes out of you, if you stay planted into the vine, and this is one way to stay planted, my word, you are clean, you are pruned, because my word, it's an easy way, it is voor die hand liggend, I don't know about you, but so often I just, I neglect that. I neglect remaining, remaining in the word. To remain also means to become interconnected and to become part of. Um, Last week we did with with the bread, um, we did this verse in John 6 where Jesus says, um, For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood resides in me and I in him. And we worked around this whole image of uh, what happens to food when you eat it. It becomes part of your body. It goes into your stomach and there it goes and it breaks down into all the different particles and everything your body needs gets sent to the right areas and energy and all that kind of stuff. And the junk gets thrown away. But all the right stuff gets taken up. That's why they say you are what you eat. You become what you eat. And Jesus says, if you eat me, eat my flesh and drink my blood, you become like me. You remain in me and I remain in you. So to remain in Jesus is is a tough thing but a simple thing because we've got to come to the point where he is literally interweaved and part and actually one where there's no difference, where we can't see the difference anymore, where he ends and where we start and where we end and where he starts in every area of our lives, every single area of our lives. People must be able to in my relationship with my wife and with my kids and the way I treat the guys on site and the way I treat my parents and the way I drink a dop with my brother um, on his birthday. People must be able to see Jesus. Because I'm in him and he is in me. We must be able to, to remain And it's only when we remain. He says, unless you remain in me, you cannot produce fruit. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it remains in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. So maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe become a people or a culture that sort of makes this our biggest priority to be planted and grafted into Jesus so he goes on and he says one moment I didn't catch that could you try again sorry the city (laughs) just that Hey, listen, 
to everything you say. <laughs> Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. He comes, he says, no, you know, he's broadening the picture now. He says, he's starting to show us the picture of the fruit that he's desiring. He's now starting to talk about love. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. Now, the one question I asked myself. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I obeyed the Father's commands and remain in His love. And the first question that came into my mind is, now does Jesus now set a condition for Him loving us? If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Is he setting a condition for his love? Or what is he saying? And the word in Ephesians says, While we were still his enemies, God loved us. And he gave up his son. While we were still his enemies. Why would he now say that I will only love you if? He says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. And what we have said about remain is that the interchangeability of this what he is, is I, and this what I is, is he. The one way to show his love is by doing what he said we should do. The one way to express our love for him and in fact, if we were truly, 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 without a doubt, without a little inkling convinced about His love for us and about the way that He loves us, we would naturally obey Him and we would naturally love. We would naturally be one in His love and experience His love. So I don't believe at all that it is a that it's a condition. Rather, it's a proof. And he said that, hey, Basi, I get our first in your script. Sorry, I can't make notes. He's all one John two five and six says. But whoever obeys his word, truly this person, the love of God has been perfected. Um, whoever obeys his word, truly in this person, the love of God has been perfected. Get it here. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he resides in God ought himself to walk just as Jesus walked. So our love is proven not by how loud we worship or how high we raise our hands or, or how, I don't know. It's proven in obedience. Nee, en ons weet het van ons kinders ook. 
ons kinders begin jy, if you truly loved me, you would obey me. Wonder hoe lang kan dit dan uit? Our love is proven. Remain in my love. It's all about love. Kom ons gaan terug dan. <clears throat> he says, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments, and remain in His love. I have told you these things, so that your joy would be complete. My commandment is this, to love one another just as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this. The one that one lays down his life for his friends. So I say two I say as the father loves me. I, I love and I love the father. So you must abide in that same love. <coughs> So ons moet hom lief hee, soos wat die vader hom lief het, en soos wat hy die vader lief het. Dit is nummer 1. Nou, hoe lief het God vir Jesus? How much does God love Jesus, the Father? What do you think are his thoughts toward him? What do you think is his attitude or his Ek weet nie eens wat mens dit wil noem in, in menselike termen. But you would say that there is actually the purest and the biggest and the best and the deepest and the largest of all loves is what God has toward Jesus. Ne? Ek weet nie, ek weet nie so om het uit, uit te druk nie. Nou sê die woord in Johannes 17 bid Jesus later and say that he loves us the same way. God the Father loves us the same way he loves his son, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then he says, <clears throat> we ought to love each other the same way he loves us. And that love is expressed in one thing. Sacrifice. That love is not expressed. And this is a thing <clears throat> we see in the world at the moment. We see in churches that people <clears throat> are accepting other people go astray and other people going down the wrong paths and starting wrong things and doing things that are not in the will of God. And then they say, but you've got to love them. You've got to... Nee? Ons denk net aan, aan al die goed waar, waarin die wereld bezig is om te beweeg van mense wat nou kan besluit wat een geslag hy wil wees en wat een geslag hy wil najaag en al die goed. You've got to, and then you've, you've got to accept them in the name of love. 
we have to love them but we have to call it out we have to help them come back to the father come back to his way come back to his um, kingdom. yeah kingdom the point I'm trying to make is that love is not not calling someone out when he is off the will of God. Ons kan nie in die naam van liefde aanvaar dat ander mense in sonde loop nie. Love is spelt sacrifice. Dit is eindelijk net die punt wat ek wil maak. Love is spelt putting someone else's needs above your own. And we are, we are getting further and further and further away from that in this world. I had a discussion the other day about, uh, with, with some people just about what, what Acts says. I mean, Acts 2, 42, 47, where, where they talk about the church and how they devoted themselves to each other. And even to the point where, where they would where no one would have lack because everyone would share everything they had. So people would say to me that, ja, maar, jy kan nie van my verwacht, ek werk hard vir my geld. Want nou, as ek nou begin om vrijmoedig te wees en wat ook al, dan gaan het die mense net leier maak en wat, wat, wat. But that's not love. That's, unfortunately, self-life selfishness if love is shown when we get home after a hard day <clears throat> and your kids are all over the place and all over you and you just play with them even though you can't take another step forward love is when someone calls you up in the middle of the night and you're tired and everything, and they say, listen, man, um, I need someone to help me with this, or talk about that, or whatever, and you say, I'm here. Amal van ons kan onszelf, ons kan indink, in syke situasies, en ons kan aan mense dink, wie ons liefde nodig het. Love each other the way that I love you. No one has greater love than this, the one who lays down his life for his friend. And somehow we've, we, we, we got it right in our understanding, in our hearts, and we reserved that for Jesus. We reserved and we, we reason that Jesus laid down his life for us, so I don't have to lay down my life for anyone. He told die reasoning gehoor. Jesus laid down his life so that I can oh, whatever, I can yes. yeah. and I can say you are my friends variants, if you do what I command you you are my friends if you do what I command you in variants it is not just conditional if you do what I command I'll be my friend if you don't do what I command 
then you're not going to be my friend. If you do what I command, you are showing me that I'm truly your friend. You are showing me that we are close and that I can trust you with what the Father tells me. And even in the church, even among believers, there there are friends and then there are servants. Not out of Jesus' will, but out of how people see their relationship with Him, see their relationship with God. And yes, I love to come and I love to serve God. I love to... I love to to minister unto Him and serve Him and worship Him and read the Word to Him and and all that as as a servant. But what I love the most is when I when I call on His name and immediately He says, yes, my boy. Immediately. Where I don't have to go through through all kinds of hoops and holes and rigmaroles and, and take on a posture of servitude, but I go to Him as my Father. I go to Him, as, to Jesus as my friend. I love when, when, when I'm able to stand on the building site and all of a sudden I'm just sort of, I imagine Him standing next to me and just looking at what's going on around us. And just feeling His presence or just knowing that He's there. Not having the posture that I've got to work hard, I've got to work hard, I've got to please you, I've got to please you. He's pleased with friendship. He's not pleased with servitude. We've got to take on the posture of becoming his friend. Because in that posture, when we are his friend, then, then secrets start to flow between us. He starts to show us who he is. He starts to show us His heart. He starts to show us His love. Remaining my love means that everything we do needs to be motivated by love. Ne? Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 13. Even if I can prophesy and talk in tongues and do miracles and all that kind of stuff, even if I can preach the best word, even, even if I can actually, once again, do good things unto the world. If it's not motivated by love. If what is coming out of me, because I'm planted in the vine, and that's actually the fact is, when I'm planted in the vine, there's one thing that will come out of me, and that's love. That is the fruit. That is why Jesus is moving towards this thing of love. He starts with being planted. He starts starts with fruit. And then he goes and he says, this is the fruit that I'm talking about. It is love. And it's expressed in selflessness. It's expressed in sacrifice. And he says, if I'm planted in him, then naturally out of me will flow love. Expressed in all the different ways we can now read in in, um, Galatians. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all that kind of stuff. It's just expressions of this one thing is love. So, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, 
all of this. You can do all of this. You can be the best person. You can be nice. You can be good. You can be all that. If it's not motivated by love, it will be noise. And if it's noise, it's not the fruit that God gives. And if it's not the fruit that God gives, it doesn't give life. That's why good people don't go to heaven. People who are planted in Christ goes to heaven. Because even for God, someone who does one thing out of selfishness, no, out of, well, the, here's the thing, if the, the opposite for me, if something is not done out of love, which is sacrifice, and which is selflessness, then the only other reason for something being done is selfishness. Ne? Because you'll get a return on it. Some way. You'll feel good. Or you'll get a... And this can be a lot of words for us. Because now we can begin, oh God. But now we begin with these principles van saai en maai en al die type van goeders. Nou jaag ons die principle, nou if you sow, if you sow, if you sow, you'll reap, you'll reap, you'll reap. But what's it about? I'm not sowing out of love, I'm sowing because I want to reap. That's selfish. And that's not Christ. That's not something that's planted. But if I sow into a ground or a soil because I love, because I'm motivated by love, because I want to better the situation of somebody, because I want to like, build up the kingdom, because if my, if my focus is loving God and, and sowing into God because I love Him, then the fruit will be good. For many years, I've, I've, people have sown into our lives a lot. And then I pray, pray, Father, please, 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 just let our soil be, be good soil. Let our soil be good soil. But I'm starting to think maybe that the soil is in the motivation of the one that's giving. Is that pure? Is that good? Is that out of love? Because what you reap is, will be what you sow. Not how much. Not... But what? If you sow, who say, if you sow unto the flesh, you will reap the fleshly things. See, if I sow with a fleshly motive or a fleshly desire, it will only strengthen my selfishness at the end of the day. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about friendship. I'm talking about time with people. I'm talking about But if I want to, if I choose to spend time with somebody because that person needs to experience the love of God and not because, I don't know, I feel, and I mean, it's obligated or, or that I'm going to get a return out of it or whatever. Okay, let's move on from that. So it's just noise. Abide in his love is to love the same way he loves. And then he goes on in verse 12. 
says, this is my command, that you love one another. Just, what was it? <clears throat> yeah, just as I have loved you. Okay, we've handled that. And then he lost his sticky. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that remains, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This I command you, to love one another. The last point that I want to make is that we have been appointed. God chose you. He chose us. He chose us as a church. He chose every single one of us for one reason. He chose us to live on this earth as His followers for this one reason, that we would show Him to the world. Fruit that glorify God. And it brings us back once again to the motive. Because if we give fruit out of the flesh, the natural thing is would be is that we would want to be glorified through it. But if we are motivated by love, if we remain in love, if we are motivated by, by who Jesus is, if He is flowing through us, if we remain in Him, in other words, we are in Him and He is in us, our motivation would be love. And we would not even count how much fruit we give away. <laughs> we would not even say, oh, I gave you two apples, so you must give me three bananas. It would be just a natural outflow of who we are. We have been appointed, I almost want to say, to spend ourselves for the kingdom of God in this world. We can go down a whole new avenue again now. Once again about the whole, I could buy it, I hiervoor wat ek baie gedink aan die ding wat ek gedink, gedoen het, so paar, paar weke terug, um, oor die pride and selfishness in die goeders. Paar van C.S. Lewis het quotes die in my kop opgekom, maar dit was nie heeltemal gepas nie, maar dit kom op die selle ding neer. If there's one thing that the church could get right, this Love each other the way I loved you. If we could get that right. If we could lay down our lives. For each other. And for the kingdom of God and for the world. Our job probably would have been done by now. Because the world would know him. The world would have seen the glory of the knowledge of God. All the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. If we could come to the point where we lay down our lives and say, Eat of me. Eat my fruit. Eat my, the goodness. But it's not my fruit. It's His fruit. He is the vine. 
and we are planted in Him and we are only conduits. And the branches that get cut off are those who start thinking that, that I can be fruitful without the vine. Because it's impossible. So Hydra eats, but it's not fruit. This is net Elysis. Fake gooders. Noise, that's it. Thank you. Just noise. And this is a hard word. This is, for me, is it a hard word. But, but it's also just so simple. If we could get just that one thing right, if we could remain in Him, all the other things will just start to flow from us. Lord, and I pray that every one of us would take on the posture and position of a mere branch that is planted in you. We pray that you would use your word, that you would use our times with you, to lift us up and prop us up. To take us away, Lord, so that we will bear more fruit. And that you would prune us with your word. That we would cut, cut away everything, Lord, in our lives that is not producing your fruit in us. That we would cut everything away that is of the flesh, motivated by selfish desires, so that what remains, Lord, is you and your love flowing through us. So that the world and those around us can come and experience your fruit in us to the glory of you and Father God. We ask you for this grace, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.